Okay, well, good afternoon, folks. My pleasure to be here tonight to fill in for Brother Kenneth, and uh, certainly we want to keep he and Shelley uh, in our prayers as they travel back, and uh, God willing that uh, they'll get back safely and will not be any problems. And uh, But so tonight, you know, uh, here in the last few months, I have noticed in various and sundry, in talking to various and sundry different folks and hearing different people talk, um, things that has troubled me in that uh, it's almost as if uh, members of our congregation has gotten the idea that, not, not that they went out and got it recently, I, I think because, I don't know who, it wouldn't be good for me to speculate wherefores and whys, but anyway, there is, there it makes a difference what you believe. There is, it is important, very important, what you believe. And, uh, you know, uh, and I'm not one to say, uh, if it doesn't say Baptist out there on the door, uh, don't go in. You, if, because, I mean, we study in this book, the Bible, and we use this as our Sunday school book. We use this as the, our authority. And these folks in this Bible, they didn't have Baptists in there, but that's what we believe, what's in the Bible. And so these people had church, and, uh, and down through the ages, uh, I think in France, the Baptists were called Gauls. I think that was what they were called. But anyway, uh, but the thing is, there's a reason why someone doesn't want to be in a church like this. And it's because they believe differently about salvation. Uh, but the thing is, I, I, I want our membership to be well-schooled in, to, in the pure, unadulterated truth about what it is to be a Christian. Now, and I'll stand right here and tell you right now, there are big organizations that call themselves churches, and they think they're Christians, but I'm going to tell you here right now, they're not Christians. And that might shock somebody, uh, but... We should not be afraid to say that. Not that we're mean. We don't want to be mean about it. We don't want to gloat about it. I mean, God forbid that we would do that. We, we, we don't. To the contrary, we would have them to join with us in God's word. You know, I've had the opportunities, and I'm sure many of you have, to witness to people. And one of the first things I always try to do is say, listen, what I'm going to be talking to you about doesn't have anything to do, and usually I, I try to find out what church they're affiliated with, if they are, and most of the time they are, and I'll try to make sure that this is not about your religion as opposed to the Baptist religion. What I want to talk to you about is what I always try to tell them is this, and make certain that uh, I do just that, talk to them about the Bible, and share God's word with them. And, you know, I remember many years ago, it was back in the 80s, as a matter of fact, is when I was having to, uh, 
uh, I had to go to Dallas and because the economy got so bad in Houston, I had to start another company in, in Dallas. And so I was having to live up there, uh, had an apartment there, believe it or not, and I was living there during the week and then come home, you know, like on Thursday night and uh, for the weekend and go to church. Uh, but so, you know, so I was watching one of these television preachers and I said, well, you know, I, usually I don't, I, I don't even want to watch those guys and make me so mad. But so I was watching him. He was just getting started. And he had the Bible in his hand. I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe this guy's going to read from God's word. I want to see if he's going to preach the truth or what he's going to do. Well, he did this for about 45 minutes to an hour. Not one time did he read out of the Bible. Not once. Not once did he mention the word Jesus or Christ. And so that kind of stuff really bothers me. And I tell you what really bothers me is when I hear uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, and, I, and they're trying to be polite. I know they're trying to be polite and kind and stuff. But you know what? There's one thing to be polite and kind. It's altogether another thing to hasten somebody's entry into hell. If we don't tell them the truth about Christ, who is? And, and so tonight, I, I want, I've tried, you know, there's, there's a thousand ways you can come at this. And, and I, I, I've, I've tried to put this together in such a way that it's, it's succinct, quick, and, uh, and probably some of you probably figure I, I can't ever get nothing out of the Bible quick, but uh, uh, there's a lot to be said. But the thing is, is uh, there's so much that's afoot in our society, and it has always been there. It's, it's always been the case. And um, we're going to go tonight. We can see where it started. It started in the Bible, and we can see where it started. And, uh, but the thing is, is this perversion of the gospel. And the Bible is not silent about this. And it's, it, again, it's, it's because there is so much of that walking around with the Bible in their hand and not reading it. And, and, and talking about their grandmothers and this and that and trying to be funny and so on and such and such and entertaining. And that's really, that's what all they do every Sunday. Well, uh, the thing that's important for us to know and to teach and to preach and to make sure that we are razors when it comes to this subject. I'm not talking about acquainted with it. I'm not talking about kind of knowing it. But I'm talking about to be a razor when it comes to the gospel, the pure, unadulterated gospel. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because you know what? You know who is a razor? It's God. God doesn't tolerate bringing in carnality into his gospel. That's just absolutely put down 100%. And so in John, and, don't, and I'll tell you where we'll go with him in a second, but I'm just going to read one verse out of John. It says in John chapter 5, verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh. And I want you to listen to this because the, the thing about this is, you see, 
There's a lot of people has got the idea that after a person's saved, somehow or another, that thing you see when you look in the mirror is now your Christian part of you's best friend. Well, I'm going to tell you here about thus saith the word of God. No, it's not. It never will be the Christian part of you's best friend. It is the enemy of the Christianity that is in you. And I'll show you that. We'll start right here in John. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profitable, nothing. Now, what does nothing mean? It's nothing. Nothing. Not, boy, oh, you know, it's, uh, there is no if and buts about it. It's nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, so we see from God's word, and Jesus told Nicodemus that, and I know every one of us here are familiar Jesus' conversation there in John 3. He basically told Nicodemus, I'm not talking to you about flesh. I'm talking to you about spiritual things. And see, Nicodemus being a religious man, that's what he was all about, his flesh being the, the, the friend of God. And, and you know what? He was ignorant. Flesh has never been, ever since Adam, the friend of God. It's not. And nor will it ever be. Now, I want you to turn to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this is, well, we just saw from John that the flesh adds absolutely nothing to our Christianity. The flesh is the enemy of God, and, it, and, and listen, the scripture teaches that we are in the flesh to die daily. Now, you say, well, why in the world do you want to make such a big It's a big issue about that because you realize most every other church or person or persons that call themselves a church, their religion is built around individual effort. That's it. And, and the scripture teaches absolutely opposite of that. And it's important that we know that. And we're not afraid to tell somebody the truth before they die and go to hell. Just because a person is a young person doesn't mean they're not going to die tomorrow. I mean, we, we need to be absolutely certain that we are quick to point out to somebody that Jesus Christ, plus nothing, minus nothing, his work at the cross is the only thing that saves a person. And, and your flesh is the enemy of the cross. It is today, it is tomorrow, and it will be until you put it in the ground. Well, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, and by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Do you see a direction in this? Exactly what I've been talking about. The flesh brings death, Christ brings life. That absolutely is the truth all the way through. That's not something that just 
that happened back when. It is still the case. The flesh is not your partner in Christianity. It has to be corralled by thus saith the word of God. That's the reason it's so important as Christians that we know God's word. Because from God's word, we gain the, the knowledge and the strength to tell our flesh, shut up, this is what I'm going to do. And we walk spiritually, not carnally. Now, if you look over in verse 44 of this same 1 Corinthians chapter 15, speaking of the flesh, it's sown a natural body, or speaking of the individual, it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as is the earthy, such are they that are also earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now, listen to this verse. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. You see, one is corruption, the other is incorruption. That's the, the, now, I want you to go over to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to work Galatians real well tonight. And so just, just turn over there. But, to, but look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. Now, now look at that. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now, so, so, so there you are. There you see the, the now, now, if you take this, okay, we see what God's word has said about our flesh. Now, that's the flesh of all humanity. And do you realize most religions today teach that you're going to have to be able to please God in your flesh, otherwise you're not going to go to heaven? Do you actually think God would make our salvation contingent upon that which is broken and corrupt and vile? He has not done that, but yet all the so-called Western Christianity is built upon that very idea that your salvation is based upon how well you live in your corrupt flesh. <clears throat> that is absolutely a lie. That's not the truth. The truth is our salvation is based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to go to Galatians chapter 1. Because, see, this is where this, that, that, this perverted so-called Christianity we see today, it started right here in Galatia. This is where it started, right here. And it's written right down in God's word. 
And I want you to see, and I want us to see, and I want us to know it, and know it really well, and so that you can comfortably say, my friend, what you're believing about going to heaven is wrong. God's word says you, you can't be saved and stay saved and by works. Salvation is of the finished work of Jesus Christ, and once you're saved, that's it. And and we need to be very very comfortable with that. Now look 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 what God had to say on this, because this stuff got started right here. And what was going on is these Pharisees had saw that they were losing the battle, and so they. Just like Satan does, he changed into a, a deceptive, yeah, he's all, now he's embracing Jesus. But he, come in, he, he came into this church, and, but he's bringing in the law with him. Now it's Jesus plus the law. You know, they, they, they absolutely crucified Christ because he uh, brought the truth of salvation in that we are saved through Jesus Christ and, and nothing, and plus nothing, minus nothing. And, uh, but here, what is going on, these Judaizers are bringing in the law along with Christ. In other words, good works plus Jesus get you saved and keeps you saved. That's what they're teaching. And I want you to listen to what God has to say about it. Galatians chapter 1, let's just start with verse 3. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever. Amen. And then he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, Unto another gospel, which is not another. Now, I, I, I'm going to stop here. I want you to know this that he's talking about is exactly what all of these religions that we encounter, whether it's here in the United States or uh, the Western world, that's what this is what they teach. Law works, plus their ideal of Jesus. And it's wrong. It's put down right here in the Bible. You don't have to but wonder where it is. And he says, this is, it's not another gospel, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now, does that, is that pretty straightforward? I'd say it really is. And the thing is, is you see, Paul was a razor on this subject. That's what we need to be. And when someone starts talking about how good they are and how good this person is, and, and uh, it was all I could do here recently to keep my mouth shut. And, and it breaks my heart when some people are talking about this person was the best person in the world and on and on and on and couldn't figure out why God would allow somebody like that to die. And, and you know, and, and, and I realize, you know, uh, 
look, God wants us to live an upright, it's what we would call Christian life. Let your yea be yea and your nay, nay. Be honest, not be a thief. Upright, faithful to God's house, tithing, and, and, and be a good, solid Christian person. Not filled with lies and hatred and perverse and ugly things. You know, that stuff's not, not, not hard to figure out. But my friend, that doesn't keep you saved, and it certainly doesn't save you. And see, that's what's going on here. And, and the thing is, I, I'm, I fear we've got individuals in our church that think that these other... I, 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 it's, it's all I can say. Churches, I guess you could say they're churches, but they're not Christians. They don't believe what, what the Bible says. Go to Galatians chapter 3. I'm sorry, not three. Galatians chapter five. Look what this says. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You see, there's one thing to teach our children the right way to walk and to conduct themselves. It's altogether another thing to say that keeps them safe or teach them that's what saves them and that's what's going to get them into heaven because that would be a lie. And did you realize that all these other doctrines that's out there, most not all of them, there, there's, there's some of them. I know there used to be a, a Presbyterian preacher I enjoyed watching. His name was Kennedy. He was a good preacher of the gospel. I enjoyed watching him on TV. But he was a big exception to what's out there. And, and you see what God's word says. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith we stand, uh, we're set free. And don't be brought back under the yoke of bondage. And, and the thing is, is as you, you, you listen to these individuals, these churches, and these uh, religions, and they all got their list of what it is that's going to put you in heaven based on their ideas. And that's what it is, because it didn't come from God's word. It doesn't come from God's word. Liberty comes from God's word. And, and, and they pervert the gospel. And usually their list is, be like me and you'll be okay. And, and it's just nothing but a total perversion, and, and it's wrong. And it's wrong. And it's wrong for us when we get an opportunity to tell them that it's wrong and we don't. We should not be bashful to say, I'm sorry, my friend, but please let me tell you about the liberty of Jesus Christ. Please let me tell you that. Because see, God was saying, Paul, you go over here and you tell these perverters, get out. He said, but though we are an angel... From heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let them be accursed. Does that sound like he's trying to make friends with them? As we have said before, and so, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that we have received, let him be accursed. Now, 
That's God's word. That's what God has to say. And my friend, it's, 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 it's important that we know that this is how we are to respond to somebody that would pervert the gospel. And no, they're not saved, and no, they're not Christians. And I'm not afraid to say that. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Now, I'll tell you what. You know, when you're, when you're learning the gospel upside and one side and then, uh, you know, the book of John and Romans, and uh, it's great, and Ephesians, but... Boy, when you want to get on this subject, the book of Galatians, it's like the Christian's Declaration of Independence. I mean, you know, what American can't look at that Declaration of Independence and just love it, you know? Well, this is a Christian's Declaration of Independence, this book, this book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth crucified among you. Then he says, look, I, it's like he says, look, I, I just want to ask you one question. He said, this is not hard. It's just one question. It's like what he's saying here. This is only what I learned of you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? See, that is exactly what all these other religions teach. You start out, they teach Jesus. Oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, absolutely. You got to have Jesus. And then after that, then, then you got to do this and you got to do that. And it usually starts with being baptized. And like some of them do, oh, you know, oh, yeah, he was, he was baptized when he was born. And they actually believe that makes a person a Christian. And then, and then, and then, of course, about the age of twelve, they bring them in and they can co confirm them. My friend, that has nothing whatsoever to do with salvation. That's wrong. That's just a perversion, just like what we just read. I tell you what saves a person: it's a pure, unadulterated gospel and the belief of it, plus nothing, minus nothing, and and absolutely not being bashful about saying. It is the blood of Jesus that saves me, and that's it. And that keeps me saved. And I don't apologize for that. And that's what he's saying here. Are you so foolish? Did you begin in the spirit? Now you're going to tell me you're going to be made perfect by the flesh? And you know, what would we read over in Corinthians? Corruption doesn't mix with incorruption. That's why he said this. Our flesh is corrupt. And it's, it, it needs to be counted as dead every second of the day because it's the enemy of, of Christianity, our flesh is. Listen, God told Adam and Eve that if you take this tree of knowledge, you'll die. Of course, Satan told them they wouldn't. Well, they believed Satan instead of God, and we know they died. But Satan convinced them that they wouldn't die. And, you know, you look at that and you say, well, but they were still talking and stuff. Of course, we know they died spiritually. And every person born a woman from that point forward until this very day is born spiritually dead. Just as dead as a doornail. When God created Adam and Eve, they had a fleshly nature and they had a spiritual nature whole person. And now when a person is saved, 
they are now made spiritually alive again. And that corrupt thing that we call the flesh is not the friend of that spiritual side of us. We saw it right there in Galatians. It lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh so much so that you cannot do the things that you would. You ever wonder why? You, have you ever asked yourself, why in the world did I do that? There's the answer right there in Galatians. Because your flesh is just like mine. It's broke. It doesn't get better. You see, that was a question that Nicodemus asked Jesus. Nicodemus said, you, you mean I can enter the, become an infant and enter the second time my mother's womb be born again? And Jesus said, I'm not talking to you about your flesh. These things that I'm testifying to you are spiritual. Jesus didn't come down here to make this flesh better. He came down here that we might have new life. New life in him. And what life is it? The life that Satan's lie took away from us there in the Garden of Eden. That's the life he's restored through his blood work at the cross. And this nonsense about our flesh all of a sudden getting better and better and better is nonsense. Nonsense. There's no sense in it. It's wrong. That's, where, that's why he asked, you, you're going to tell me that you're born in the spirit, now you're going to be made perfect by the flesh? That's God talking. This is God's word. I'm not making this up. I, I, you, you, God forbid that I should do that. He says, have you suffered so many things in vain, if, yet be, if, if it be yet in vain? He, therefore, that ministered to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, Know you therefore that they which are of faith are the same, are the same, the same are the children of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel under Abraham saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Have you ever studied much about Abraham? Have you ever seen how much God blessed Abraham? I mean, he was abundantly blessed. Abundantly. And do you see what that just said? So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. You talking about God's promises? You know, a lot of when we stand and Tim was telling us that we're going to sang that song, Standing on the Promises. Here's one of them. Blessed with faithful Abraham. Man, that's awesome, isn't it? And, and don't let Satan get all in your mind about this and that and all that. You're a child of God? Boy, you got a lot going for you. Now, let's, let's turn on over here in Galatians. I've got it written down here because I know I, I've been told that if this gets over at 7, so I'm trying to Condense this. <laughs> All right. Uh, chapter 5 here. Chapter 4. Look at verse 4. But when the fullness of time was, come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, 
God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. An heir of God through Christ. I don't know how you could find a more rich promise in God's word than that. How be it then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known of God, now I want you to look what God has to say about fleshly works. I want you to see, God has got it categorized right here. But now, after you have known God, or rather known of God, how turn you again to weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire to be in bondage? Ye observe days, months, times, and years. Man, that, 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 you know, it's almost like, is that in the Bible? This is wonderful. This is so liberating. We, we, nobody can bring us back under bondage. Our salvation is in Christ, and it's saved, and it's done, and it's finished, and it's solid. And you know what? It sure is not contingent upon what we do in this old filthy, broken flesh. Listen, the Scripture teaches that God has remembered that our frame is but dust. Thank God for that scripture. Because it is. I mean, we can walk out here all fired up and say, man, I got this straight now and everything. And the next thing you know, you've done something. You think, oh, my goodness. That's because we struggle with this flesh. Let me ask you a question. Most of us have children or uh, <clears throat> have cousins or nephews or whatever or a child. And if you had a child that you loved and you're trying to participate in the raising this child and, 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 and making sure that child knows what's right and what's good and, and, and you want to be there to help that child and everything, but, but this child was handicapped. And, and, and you went to their school and maybe they were having some sort of school outing and there was a bunch of those and maybe it was a boy and they were, a bunch of those boys were all out there racing around and this child of yours was limping real bad, couldn't keep up with it. How would you think about that? Would you sit there with a big old scrawl on your face and say, I can't believe he's doing that. I, no, you wouldn't. Your heart would go after that child. And you would want so bad for that child to be able to run just like those other boys. Or your daughter to be able to jump rope and all that with it, like the other girls and stuff. But because they're handicapped or not. What, what do you think God our Father thinks when he sees our flesh? And there's not a one of us sitting in our mother's womb decided we want to be corrupt and broken. We were born that way. Do you think that's a handicap? My friend, it is a handicap, a terrible handicap. See, that's what Satan knew. That's why he wanted Adam and Eve to do what they did. But boy, thank God. Thank God. We got a champion. His name is Jesus. He came here and he did something about that.
And the thing is, we ought to always remember that. And, and it ought to really bother us when there are people dragging around this lie that this flesh is somehow or another keeping us saved or getting us saved. When it's, it's just the opposite. It is the enemy of our salvation. It is a detriment to it. It is a detriment to our Christian walk. It's everything about it is, is, is in the way. And see, God knows that. And that's why he's saying, what in the world is wrong with you? Why in the world would you go back over there and want to get all back involved under this bondage of observing days and months and times and years? You don't have to do that. You don't. Galatians chapter 4. Look at, and look, remember we, we, we just turned, and I'll read that again there in Galatians chapter 5, when he says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith you are set free, and don't be entangled again with this ignorant bondage. That's, you, you, you see why Satan is trying to, he's dragging all that mess back in there? And God's word is so plain and so clear. 